Previously on Vengeance. Opik was the sort of head of the church, but she's assigned you to be apprenticed to Caleb. The dwarves vacated Agland, which was our ancestral home up in the mountains, not too far from here. The church had a temple there at one time, but the old mine city is now occupied by fearsome beasts. How am I to know that you all can be protective of a craftsman and non-combatant such as I? You can't be certain. That's the die you're choosing to roll. He does not speak for us. <laughs> uh, may I make a suggestion? We might apply to Opic to see if she might be a sponsor of this mission and provide us with some additional wares. Yes, please. We're going into a probable combat. Let's just stack palfrey. She would offer like a single suit of plate armor. They give you a plus two spear. Holy shit. <laughs> All right, so a falcon landed on my arm. My uh, master, Athlia, has a message for you. I was in a party of adventurers. I'm actually the only surviving member of the party. We actually breached the gates of Agland, but it just was chock full of rust monsters. Oh, no. You come to the gates of Aglin. Um, So do you guys want Caleb to uh, do his dwarfy open door thing again? And then the hallway makes a sharp left, opens into a larger chamber. To your right, along the wall, there is a rough opening. Whimpering wand, whimpering wand, tell me if frightful things lie beyond. It immediately is whimpering vigorously. Okay. And as that occurs, a rust-colored antenna uh, peeks around one of the dividing walls. Let's roll initiative. Yep. All right. Cool. This is a super cool place that we're in. (laughs) Every every inch of it. Yeah, so we find ourselves uh, mid-combat. And I will rebuild this map uh, piece by piece so we can all kind of know what's going on here. There was a hole in the wall. Yes. Um, let's just not forget that there is a way out of this room, not the way we came in. It is also where we believe the rust monsters are coming from, though, right? Well, I, that's what I thought at first. But based on where they appeared in the room once they started to congregate, I don't think they did come from there. I thought they came from the alcoves, the little like cubicles that were all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe there's something even bigger and badder through that hole in the wall. Um, based on our observations, I don't think it was the rust monsters. I could well be wrong. You could also just have multiple holes in the wall, right? <laughs> different locations. That is possible. What choke points? Um, you guys came in through this side, this entrance. Um, the whole column was just referring to is here. And then at the other end of the room, there's a similar size opening, but it has a pair of heavy wooden doors with like big metal clasps on them that appears to be locked. Calum, the dwarf, is here, and he was last seen uh, rummaging through his backpack. Um, he's back at the entrance to the room. Uh, Hemo and Gibetto are just in front of him by the door, and Palfrey is standing in front of them. Uh, Nick, I had Pimlin climb up onto uh, one of these partitions. These are sort of 10-foot-high stone partitions that form these kind of stalls. Oh, and he also, Luke, bought you an actual grappling hook, I believe. I think I thought I remembered that you had bought one. You know what? I think I broke something to make one, or at least, like, MacGyver something. You used a pair, pair of scissors at one point. Oh, yes, from my thieves' tools. Yeah. Since everybody else got an opportunity to go shopping, I thought it would be logical that that uh, Pimlin would have picked up a grappling hook. For free, right? For one gold piece. How about that? All right. That's fair. <laughs> okay. What else do we have going on here? Uh, so we have Suka standing by one of the partitions. We have the boar uh, charging ahead. And then all these rust monsters that some of you can see and some of you cannot uh, Magnus was forward by one of the other partitions and then we have this rust monster which I put this rubber band on here because uh, Hemo you had marked it yeah. as you're like I hate that guy in particular <laughs> yeah exactly it's the hunter's mark before we jump into combat uh, there was one thing I meant to um, outline last time um, but I'll bring it up now uh, Magnus and Palfrey you since you guys have this like possible arena battle in the future And you had talked about, like, working on your teamwork skills. Um, I came up with a little mechanic for if that's a goal that you guys want to move toward. I was thinking about, like, the ways that two characters can kind of work together in the existing rules, which is you can do the help action, 
and you make a skill check. And then if it's successful, the recipient of the help gets advantage on their role of their action, right? So anytime you guys do that, we will track whether the helping is a success or a failure. Okay. And that will accumulate. And whenever one of you is rolling to help the other, we'll subtract the number of failures from the number of successes. And the result is you get a plus or a minus to your help roll. Okay, cool. That makes sense? Yeah, I love that. So basically, if, if you guys help each other, you can get better at it. And, you know, and you, you don't have to pursue that, you know, narrative piece. But I just thought I'd throw that little teamwork okay. bit in. Is it only in combat or would it be like outside of combat as well? I think just combat because it's your, it would be for a fight scenario. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Help action is like a, a full action, right? Like if you take a help action, then you probably are not able to attack in the same way. Right. You would still have movement and a bonus action, but yeah, it, it takes your main action. Mm-hmm. So cool. that's the thing. So anyway, uh, let's just jump back into the action with Kimo, who's at the top of the order. All right, so what is the distance between the Borg and the Rust monster up from it? Um, <laughs> this one here? Yeah, yeah. 20 feet or so. Perfect. We'll go with that one. Cool. Uh, so he's, he's going to do the chart. Uh, it's moving 20 feet straight before attacking the cuts. Uh, the target takes an extra three points of damage and uh, has to do a DC 11 strength save, or it will be knocked prone, whatever that means for a Rust monster. Okay. Mm, so my actual roll is a five. I don't think I get to apply anything. Um, so I read up a little bit on Animal Companion, which we could touch on real quick, by the way. I think you were asking if the Animal Companion itself levels up. I couldn't find anything that indicated Animal Companions having their own level. It's just that you add your proficiency bonus to all of its roles. Okay. So as your proficiency bonus gets stronger, your animal gets stronger. Great, great. In that case, it will set. Okay. Yeah, it, it does not strike. Uh, it's maybe wide of the mark or the rust monster jumps out of the way. All right, so I'm going to uh, shoot at my um, the Hunter's Mark uh, Rust Monster. Yeah. And let's hope that goes a little bit better. I have not done anything that before. 21. Uh, that hits. Yeah. All right, and then 12 damage. Okay, uh, yeah, you uh, you hit it in one of its eyes, and it spits a, a cloud of dusty rust. It's not spit if it's dusty. It cough, <laughs> coughs a cloud of, of rusty dust and squeals in a fiendish way. Suka. All right, I'm going to charge at the one uh, right in front of me cool. and hit the arms. So that would be a... Oh, wrong dice. Sorry. You're good. Bullet time as Suka's terrifying arms swing slowly <laughs> through the air towards the rest of the street. Um, and that would be eight. That does not hit. Oh. That, that's, I'm sorry. That That's not right. I'm, I'm hitting the wrong... Thing. That's not right. I couldn't possibly miss. <laughs> <laughs> so, you so I rolled a 14. Okay, uh, that just hits. You just catch the edge of it. Go ahead and roll some damage. Uh, I'd like to do a bonus action first, which is oh. just hitting it. Of course. So that is a natural 20. Damn. Damage. All right. That boy did. So then that would be a damage total of nine. Cool. And then you also had your first strike, which was just a regular hit, right? Yes. And that would be a six plus two for the bracers, so eight. Cool. All right. We'll say uh, you knock off one of that creature's uh, antenna. And uh, there's, a, a, again, a puff of rusty dust, and it squeals. Halfrey. Right. Alfie, I should say, uh, they are. many of them are looking right at you because you are practically made of metal at this moment. Yeah. Behind me, I got Magnus and Hemo and Caleb, right? Uh, you have Hemo, Gibetto, and Caleb. Hemo, Gibetto, and Caleb. Okay. I'm going to describe what I would like to do, yeah. but I don't know if it's mechanically possible. What I want to do is basically put my arms out and back everybody behind me back. Like basically get me and everybody that I'm standing in front of just further, further back. And it could be, I shouldn't leave the room, but maybe it could be into the alcove where the hole is. Sure. Can I do that? Can I, can I sort of like move other, I guess I shouldn't do that because what if Gibetto wants to go do something? I mean, you could certainly like, I I think the way we could play it is you could say to them, like, here's what I want to do and sort of use your body language to show that like, you're going to protect them. 
Yes. Right. And then anybody who wants to come along can come along. Also, like, if I decide not to come along, your arms are just going to go over my head. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't even need to duck down. So, yeah, <laughs> just, we'll, just, we'll just do that then. Okay. Um, did you, I, I would say you could, like, we could call that you taking the dodge action, basically taking a defensive stance. Okay. Or you could ready an attack if something comes near, whatever you prefer. Thank you. I keep forgetting that that's a possibility. That's I would cool. like to ready an attack. Great. Okay. Uh, Pinlin. How far is that other 10-foot wall in front of me? Uh, that is 25 feet. Mm. Way too far from me to jump. <laughs> All right. I did say, by the way, there are like stalactites hanging down from the ceiling. For what that's oh, called. yeah? Hmm. They don't have like hooks hanging off of them or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not yet. You know what? I'm going to try to take my pythons and stab into the stalagmite. Okay. And then kind of like monkey bar over there. Okay, cool. Uh, this is definitely a parkour check. Oh my god, that is a nine. Oh boy. Who are you? All right, so you go flying through the air with a python, and I think you just whiff on the stalagmite. <laughs> or stalactite. Yeah, yeah uh, go ahead and uh, make a dex save to see if you can... Uh, avoid taking some falling damage here uh 20 yeah okay so you like whiff in midair and then like do a freaking flip or something and land on your feet like carrie strug (laughs) (laughs) i look around to see if anybody noticed that you know what as we have things like nobody is looking in your direction so (laughs) good (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh that could have been bad but it, it wasn't so bad magnus um okay i would like to use my movement to run uh, one wall, like half wall to the left. Okay. Then I would like to like turn so that I'm, I mean, you don't have to move my guy, but I'm going to turn so I'm facing those two that are in the outer there. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to cast Burning Hands. Yeah, you are. They need to make dexterity saving throws and they have to beat a 13. Great. One an eight and a 10. They do not save. Yeah. So they each take four D6 fire damage. Shit. Jesus. 16 damage for each of them. Oh boy. Wait, what? Yeah. Ashes to ashes, rust to dust. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna like pivot back around so they can't see me. Yeah, I mean, so I guess in like what has otherwise been a, a cavern full of just sort of physical movement sounds, suddenly there's like a and squeals from the rust monsters as they're they're practically uh, burned alive, but they're not quite not quite done. But you maybe smell like uh, I don't know, like like if you threw a lobster on a grill, I guess is what you would smell in the air, mm. <laughs> which is not typically how you cook lobster. Uh, Jabeta. Okay, Caleb is now closest to the opening. That's right. I'm gonna start making my way towards Caleb, and I'd like to ready an action. Okay. If a rust monster starts to come near us, I would like to cast Hold Person on it. Okay. So I'm just readying that and walking with my back to the wall towards Caleb. Because, like, if if Caleb gets hurt, man, Opic's never going to let me hear the end of it. <laughs> I, I must ask a rules question. Uh-huh. Is a rust monster a person? Good point. Uh, it's a humanoid. No, it's a humanoid. That's an excellent point. Instead... I will prepare inflict wounds if one is able to come within touching range of me. I will cast inflict wounds. It was a very sage move there. Cool. Okay. Calum, he is going to finish rummaging in his backpack and will go along with this sort of retreat movement. Uh, And then he is going to pull out just like a big chunk of iron and chuck it over your heads. Oh, nice. And uh, that's his action. Okay, now a lot of bad guys are going to go. And I apologize, this is probably going to take me a while because I haven't managed this many uh, monsters in a battle before. So we'll just see how it goes here. Okay, uh, let's start with Suka. The one in front of you looks you up and down and makes a sort of like like a disgusted face because it doesn't see a bit of metal on you. Uh, so it just tries to bite you. Thirteen? Uh, um, I guess this is what my AC is. Yeah. Twenty. Sorry, your AC is 20? It's 18, and then the bracers give me an additional two. Yeah. Wow. What? Tankosaurus Rex. Okay. If we all die and this is just the adventures of Suka, I will still tune in every week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, in any case, uh, this thing tries to bite you and fails. 
then to your right, uh, you see another rust monster lunge at Hemo's boar, and it rolls an 18, which I'm guessing does hit the boar. Yeah, you see 11 on the boar. Yeah, okay. Uh, it takes seven piercing damage as it sinks Ow. its teeth into the boar. Um, okay, Magnus, do we, we established you have some metal things on you, don't you? Yes, I still have my hand axe. Okay, um, all three of these guys are going to try, they're going to like fight over your hand axe, which I guess is like hanging at your belt or something. Yeah, and I'm not going to oppose that. Okay, <laughs> uh, then I won't even roll for it. So then uh, it gets minus three to its damage rolls. Okay. So if it hits minus five, it's destroyed. That's fine. So, so they all run towards you, and they're all skinned. You, you've seen them biting around you, but all they do is just move their like feathery antenna to like rub on your your waistband, I guess. <laughs> and I'm just like holding my hands like this, yeah. just like turning. <laughs> and then these guys are going to move out into the center, uh, and that is their turn, Hima. Uh, so first thing we do, I I've been listening to the Game of Thrones audiobooks. books. I you guys say I say four to me. Which is what they <laughs> to me. So uh, yeah, just have, I want to basically retreat. He's about dead, so come back towards me as cool. far as he can. So um, he will take an attack of opportunity. Now, what you could have him do is disengage. Do my healing potions work on animals or just on us? I think they work on animals. They'd have to drink it. Yeah, the boar's down to three. I, can, uh, I have plenty of potions that I could. How much do I get back from the potion? How much does he get back? 2d4 plus 2. Your potions are special. Uh, It gets back 2d4 plus your culinary skill modifier. Which I believe is 3. That sounds right. Oh. Okay. In that case, I guess, I don't even know his name, so yeah. (laughs) Fight on. All right, so I'm going to do an attack. um, That would be my action. But I have a bonus action, so I could still hit the thing. (laughs) One hand pouring a potion, the other hand just fighting over here. Roll a 21. To um, to hit for the boar? Yeah. That sure hits. And then the boar dies uh, four. Four. And you're adding your proficiency bonus to that? Uh, the, the instruction manual says the boar has a hit of four. That's the average of 1d6 plus one. Okay, if you want, you could roll it. In fact, I, I'd actually say, yeah, go ahead and roll it and um, tack your proficiency bonus onto that. Okay, yeah, that, that turned out to be a six. Hell yeah. Plus proficiency. Eight, so, I mean, two for eight total. That's a more like it. Cool. All right. I think the board looks back at you to see, like, if you're proud of it. <laughs> I am. I'm glowing. Glowing. Just, I mean, <laughs> do I still have line of sight to my uh, targeted um, rust monster that won't rubber band around it? Um, you do. Um, it is partially obscured by Magnus, um, but I think mechanically that doesn't make a difference. So, yeah, you can see. I'm going to roll to attack that one. Oh. oh, my God. I rolled a one. Oh, boy. Go ahead and roll some damage. I'm sorry, Magnus. It's all right. Man, he was a loose cannon. Man, the full set of team murder. <laughs> oh, uh, that was nine damage. All right. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> I should not be allowed to participate in battle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go forcibly take a healing potion from Suka. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a rough, rough deal. Uh, Suka, it is your turn. Um, okay, so the first, my, for my first action, I'm going to, um, I guess, go towards the boar and give it the healing potion. Okay, it will provoke an, an attack of opportunity from the uh, rust monster you were sort of engaged with. Okay, I'll, I'll take the bonus action first, and I will attack the one in front of me with my arms. If you step of the wind, you can bonus action disengage away. But I don't want to disengage, I want to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> Get it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Kill it. Yeah, I, I want to hit it and then move away. So yeah, yeah. do it. To do that, that would be a 16. That hits. I have the bracers, so that would be a total of 10. You, uh, that is exactly how many hit points it had. Uh, so you hear a sickening crunch as, uh, as the rust monster uh, goes limp. Uh, and exudes some more rusty dust. Nicely done. One is down. Right. So now I'll, I'll use the rest of my turn to give the boar the potion. And so that would be, uh, that would be, he gets five hit points back. I rolled a one on each of them. Oh, man. 
Hey, better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Cool. Palfrey. There's six of these things left, right? There are one, two, three, four, five, six. Yes. I'm assuming that Caleb threw that iron bar over there as a sort of like decoy or to attract them. Yes, I did. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm assuming that out loud so he can verify. <laughs> that was a decoy. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Uh, so to, to ready an action and then execute it, that's an action. In other words, what I what I could not do probably is ready a run somewhere and hit somebody. <laughs> two, two actions. I mean, action. that, yeah, I, I'd say you're, you're just delaying your turn at that point. And then you could jump in yeah. at the end of anybody else's turn. Okay, yeah, then I, I'll do that. Okay, yeah, so I'll just drop you out of the initiative, and then it sounds like you'll probably just end up jumping in after the rust monsters go at the end of this order. Cool. Okay, Pimlin. I'm going to climb that wall that's in front of me. Okay. Uh, that's athletics, right? Uh, yeah, if you're if you're using like a grappling hook kind of situation, yeah. Yeah, at sixteen. Yeah, that'll get you up there. All right, and can I? I can see the the rust monster, right? You can see, yeah, there are three of them all around Magnus, uh, rubbing their antenna on his axe. And uh, all right, so I'm gonna shoot my turbo at the yellow one. Okay. You still getting that one? That's a twenty-four to hit. That hits. Six Cool. Yeah, uh, your arrow goes deep into it, and it looks like it's not long for this world, and it coughs up some rusty dust. Magnus. Are, so are they still engaged with me? Like, would I have to take a disengage to get away from them, or are they so fixated on the hand axe? I would say yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> then I will, so for my action, I would like to take disengage. Cool. Uh, I would like to move my full distance back towards the rest of the party over there in the corner. Okay. Cool. And then my bonus action, I would like to drink one of my health potions that I have. Okay. Uh, which, Luke, these are the, like, canteens of water that I put the healing herbs in right. from Orga. So how much How much are those? Are those you know what? regular? Well, Suka learned her potion making from Orga, so presumably it would be 2d4 plus Orga's culinary modifier. Okay. So why don't you go ahead and roll 2d4, two, two and I'll tell you what to add to all right, Ooh. I got five back from that. Yeah, go ahead and add eight to that. Okay, so I'm back to full health. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> back to full health and then some. Feeling good. Cool. Or in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm going to keep just prepping uh, inflict wounds in case one comes in touch range, but I'm going to like turn to everyone and be like, last one out gets the lights. Go do your thing. I got this. And just stand there waiting. Okay. Sounds good. Calum is just going to sit tight. He kind of had his one trick up his sleeve, and he's going to let that play out. Now the rust monsters are going to do some stuff. So these ones are going to charge the group of you. So let's say that one of them does trigger your action, Gebetto. So go ahead and do your thing. You weren't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it to actually pay off. <laughs> ah. No? It's not a one, is it? It's not a one, but it okay. may as well. It's okay. a three. Okay. Palfrey, I'll, I'll go ahead and just give you a reaction here since you d- delayed two turns in a row. Let's just go ahead and get you something here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, this is not exactly the eventuality that I had anticipated, yeah. but I think it's close enough to what I had planned to do. So, um, okay. Uh, the yellow one is the one that has Hemos. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, Pimlin. It's when the Pimlin hit recently, right? That's right. Yeah. And he's also close to me, and he's also trying to steal my color of yellow. So <laughs> yes. for that reason, I'm going to attack him with my spear. Very good. I'm going to try to aim for the part of him that does not make things become rust. Okay. Is that a possibility? Uh, yeah, I think that's most of them. <laughs> okay. It's just it's the antenna. Yeah. Okay. All right, that is a 15. That hits. Damage is going to be 7. Cool. Uh, yeah, flat. You skewer it. Very good. Rust kebab. Okay, uh, Hemo, the one that you had marked is going to come at you. Um, oh, and by the way, um, the arrows that you have shot so far that have hit, hit a rust monster, I should specify, which I don't know, I think you hit one. Yeah, one, well, yeah, I hit the one that I had marked on my first turn. Okay, I, the arrowhead disintegrates uh, into rust when they hit, so that, that arrow is gone. But anyway, uh, this one's going to uh, try to bite you. It is going to miss horribly. Um, and Magnus, uh, this blue guy it just just wants a piece of that axe at your at your uh, waist. So uh, yeah, so it, it takes another chink out of it, uh, and you barely have an axe on a handle anymore. Um, 
Okay, uh, Suka, this guy up here is going to lunge at you and try to bite. And because you are invincible, it is not going to hit you. Um, <laughs> and these two are totally taking the bait of the iron and are heading over this way. Okay, back to Hima. All right, we'll start with the boar. Trust the boar. Yeah. Um, he's going to do a toss uh, attack. Um, uh, less monster there. Rolled a uh, 19 plus 3 on hit, uh, plus my modifier, so well over 20. Oh, yeah. And then it does... Uh, <laughs> uh, I rolled 1, so 3. Okay, better than nothing. Yep. And then I'm going to take my bonus action to ready my dagger instead of my uh, longbow. Okay. And then I'll attack with the dagger. Cool. And I roll a eight total. That's not hit. No. You know, really, the, the guy that feels stuff should be the outcast in the group, but I feel that I'm becoming the outcast. <laughs> you know, anything valuable, I just shoot my teammates, no one's going to trust me. They trust the guy that feels stuff more than they trust me. You know, I mean, based on how your boar just rolled, I think your boar might be beating you for popularity right now. <laughs> Poor Hemo. At least you have an animal friend now. Uh, Suka. Okay, I'm going to attack the rust monster in front of me. Cool. That would be a 26 to hit. That hits. The damage on that would be an 8. Cool. And then I'll do a bonus hit as well. Bonus action so I'll hit it again. Great. Oh, that would be a 1. Oh, no. What? <laughs> You're standing right next to the boar, so I think you catch the boar. Oh, shit. And I swear, by the way, like, it has just happened, it has just so happened that every time someone's rolled a one in combat, there's either, like, somebody right in the way of their projectile, or they're standing next to somebody. Like, the outcome isn't always you hurt your friend. Like, it could be something else, but that's what's happened. <laughs> yeah, so go ahead and roll damage against the boar. And Mike and Daniel, please cleanse all your dice and phone apps. <laughs> I would be the boy is dead. The boy is down. At zero, zero. Cleans up the board. I don't know if animal companions get death saves. Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Oh, relentless is an ability. If taking seven damage, would take to zero hit points. Gain, go to one instead. So Hell instead yeah. of going to zero, I'd go to one. The board would go to one. Awesome. I love that. Yep. All right. So I will say the boar has now been hit with friendly fire twice in this battle. I think for it to continue to hang with you, like you're either going to have to spend like invest some time, like re like reinvest time with the boar, or you're going to have to convince it in some other way to like still be cool. There'll be some some couples therapy after. <laughs> uh, relentless is only if it takes seven or less damage. Oh, seven or less. Okay. Womp womp. So okay. death save it as it is. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, I mean, Suka, in her trademark uh, accuracy and fierceness, just lays this boar on its ass. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it do you, like, punch the boar into the air. <laughs> uh, Palfrey. Okay, uh, I'm going to... I'm sorry, Magnus. I would like to help you and do something cool, but I also want all of these rust monsters to die and not yeah. destroy the, my borrowed equipment that doesn't even belong to me. So <laughs> We'll have time for cool cake flips, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that is a 25 to hit. That hits. And that is a 10 hit points of damage. Cool. Uh, it looks terrible. Um, yeah, you stab it in, in a vital area, maybe in the bowels. Oh yeah, that's yeah. definitely where I want to stab it. Yeah, yeah, there's like rust turds flying everywhere. Okay. That's my that's my my special move. Whenever I'm fighting a difficult, I, I happened before with uh, Shrock the ogre. That's true. It's not a backstab exactly, but it's basically a, <laughs> it's a back, backside <laughs> stab. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful, or something close to beautiful. Pimlin, yet suddenly you're all alone on top of this wall over here. I'm gonna move right to the edge of the wall. Cool. And then I'm gonna use my short bow on that one. Right. Cool. Yep. The twelve to hit. Does not hit. Not gonna do it. Dark. It's the dirt next to it. Magnus. So, you know, I'm not stupid. I'm going to let it take that hand axe, but that hand axe was my grandpa's. Like, he gave it to me when I was leaving. Oh, no. I'm Yeah, so I'm going to cast Primal Savagery on myself. Oh, shit. And uh, swipe at it with my newly corrosive and sharp fingernails. Wow. So, I'm going to see if I hit it. Uh, does the 16 hit? It does. Okay. Uh, then it takes uh, one acid damage. Okay. A D10. That does suck. It's de definitely a uh, an impressive visual, I guess. 
do your magical acrylics dissipate after the spell? Yeah. <laughs> That's like a cabbie move. It is. Uh, to How far is the boar from me? Uh, pretty darn far, like 60 feet. 60 feet is perfect, because okay, I'm going go. to cast healing word on it and mutter, I, I guess this thing is important now. And give it a d4 plus three of health. Uh, that would be six health back to it. All right. Uh, <laughs> that was meant to sound happy. If that was good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is my turn. Cool. Caleb, seeing that uh, you guys have been doing some pretty good damage, is going to decide that he feels froggy and wants to jump. Um, he's going to pull out his uh, forge hammer and take a swing at uh, the uh, at Hemo's Mark monster. And boy, does he hit! Uh, he crits. <laughs> That's awesome. What's the poundage on that bad boy? It's not. Oh, I don't know. What's a what's a big what's a big poundage, Ash? Like twelve. Twelve. It's a twelve pound hammer. That's a big hammer. <laughs> yeah. He. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, he kills it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah. So like Samwise Gamgee with the frying pan, he uh, squishes the face of the rust monster. Okay. These guys are going to feast happily on this iron bar, which uh, they consume entirely during their turn. This one, it it had almost finished sort of rusting away uh, your uh, axe, but boy, does it see a tastier morsel to your right. It's going to go to Palfrey, and it is going to try to get your armor. So you can make, um, and I'm sorry, uh, Magnus, I I forgot to have you do this, uh, but it sounds, sounds like it's maybe a wash. Um, you can make a DC 11 dex save to try to avoid it. So basically you can try to get out of the way of its creepy antenna. I rolled a 15. Okay, cool. Yeah, you uh, you get out of the way uh, and it, uh, it just sort of wags, wags its antenna at you threateningly. Um, okay, Suka, the rust monster in front of you is going to try to bite you and is going to fail once again. And that is it. Uh, Hemo. All right, uh, the boar is going to try a new tough attack on the uh, response to diet. The boar rolled a seven, so I didn't do it. Nope. I mean, that just seems beyond brand with me today. Uh, I'm going to go ahead, and so there's the rust monster in front of uh, Alfrey. Yeah. I'll try and attack that. I rolled a uh, 17. Yeah, that hits. Yes, it hits, Hemo. It hits. <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. Team. I- that was the, the dagger. Five damage. Cool. Let's see, yeah, it, it looks terrible. Um, yeah, you, you get it like through the neck or something. As much as they have a neck. Behind the head. <laughs> cool. Suka. All right, I'm going to try and hit this one again. Are we allowed to know like how, how much we need to hit it or no? Like how much health it has left? Yeah. I, tr- I try to just make it like an aesthetic determination so that it doesn't feel like a video game. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will say this this looks very bad. It looks like a stiff wind can blow it over. Okay. Well, then I will not use my windy fist <laughs> and I will attack it for one. And that would be a 20 to hit. That hits. And six damage. Cool. Oh, no. Eight damage. Sorry. I forgot to have my braces. Splat. I killed it. Awesome. Yeah. All right, I guess that's all I'm going to do. Cool. Alfred. Uh, I'm going to take a stab at the uh, rust monster immediately in front of me. Good. That is a 25. That hits. I am rolling really well tonight. Yeah, you are. No kidding. The dice are hot some nights, what can you say? What's that like? (laughs) Feels great, man. (laughs) Uh, And a whopping seven damage. Not so awesome. That that kills it. Oh, well, that was Rust kebab number two. Beautiful. Pimlin. Uh, I'm going to jump down. Cool. You need me to make a duck save? Uh-huh. All right. At the 20. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm fine. Uh, Nolly mute grab off the <laughs> stone wall. Yeah, I'm going to shoot the purple one. Cool. With my bow. Yeah. Uh, 17 to hit. That hits. For nine points damage. Splat. Uh, or I guess shoot. Uh, as your arrow goes right in between its eyes and it keels over. Nice and done. Magnus. Uh, I would like to Eldritch Blast the other one. Cool. Uh, that would be a 14. Uh, that hits. Okay. Uh, that is 10 damage. That's a big old hit. Yeah. Uh, 
slightly uh, burned husk upon it now. I would like to take my movement towards the hole in the wall. Okay. Um, and then can I use a bonus action to percept? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Down there. I want to percept hearing and looking. Yeah. Uh, 15. 15. Okay, um, yeah, so you can see it's sort of a messy opening, um, and you can see beyond that, that while the opening itself is large, it seems to narrow very quickly to a tight tunnel about four feet in diameter. Uh, it looks like you would have to crawl to pass through this tunnel. Okay, I'm gonna just yell back to the party. We'd have to crawl through here. I can crawl. Speak for yourself. <laughs> and then it... <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> better. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna load a bolt into my crossbow and take a pot shot at the last one. Cool. I guess if it's in range. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Uh, that's a 14. That hits. Uh, nine damage, actually. Cool. Yeah, that uh, hits it in a significant part of its body, whatever that might be. Um, okay, Calum is going to just chill, and this last remaining rust monster looks at Palfrey and says, yum, yum, eat him up, and uh, comes at you. Make another deck save. All right. Ooh, that's a five. A five. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Okay, so it rubs its antenna on your uh, armor, and it rusts a portion of it, uh, with the mechanical effect being a minus one penalty to the AC that it offers. Okay. And that is permanent. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I think I, I think I might have a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hima. All right. Uh, I'm going to take my bonus action and make it my uh, uh, targeted. I wish I could remember names and things. Let's just call uh, it your um, your rubber band. <laughs> I can remember that. Oh, you know what? This is this is from an Andy Boy brand broccoli, I think. Oh. <laughs> So now that bonus action's called Andy Boy. Yeah, that, you you made him your Andy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I rolled fifteen. Yeah, that hits. All right, Hemo, that hits. Hemo, it hits. Yes, twice in a row. The same game. Uh, and then damage is eight. And if that doesn't kill it, because it's the hunter's mark, it gets to one d six. You know what? That is exactly enough to kill it. You know, if you hit another thing, uh, I think the basketball you're holding will be on fire. So. <laughs> Yeah. Man, you guys were, like, real smart getting, like, kind of out of the way and making them come to you one, not really one at a time, but uh, I thought I was going to get to eat more of your stuff. Oh, well. (laughs) Hey, folks, this is Luke Brevort, your host and dungeon master, and today I'm speaking to you as the ghost of a rust monster, which, uh, you know, actually, I am a little curious about this. Let's look this up. What happens to a rust monster when they die? Uh, When a creature dies, its soul departs its body, leaves the material plane, travels through the astral plane, and goes to abide on the plane where the creature's deity resides. If the creature didn't worship a deity, its soul departs to the plane corresponding to its alignment. Let's see. Rust monsters are neutrally aligned. Let's see here. Uh, There doesn't seem to be a neutral plain from what I can see here. I'm probably missing that, but uh, let's just say that I, the rust monster, am just floating in the astral plane in like a, uh, a pearly sea of psychic goo, maybe? That sounds unpleasant. Like a nice, a nice goo. You know, the nice kind of goo. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to Session 19 of Vengeance. We're getting into just a classic trope of D&D, the abandoned dwarven mine, which I think is fun, and I hope you're enjoying it too. Uh, The show is edited and sound designed by me, Luke Brevort. Our theme song is Castles in Winter by Joel Van Drogenbroek. All other music is by me. The website for my sound work is splendorsound.com, and you can email the show at vengeancepodcast at gmail.com. All right, uh, having absorbed... I. maybe that strange visual uh let's get back to our heroes bye what snack is ash making because i know that's what he's doing uh he's making us whiskey sours actually oh nice that's the best snack yeah with the egg white he said proudly from the kitchen (laughs) but he can hear us if there's like narrative things oh sure yeah i mean so i mean the fight's over now you guys are standing in a room with uh, dead rust monsters and piles of rusty stuff. So you've got the uh, the rough opening that Magnus was inspecting. You've got all these 
stone alcoves full, filled with rusty dust, and uh, you've got a large set of wooden doors at the far end of the room that seem to be locked. I would love it if, if Gibetto could um, mend my armor, or I should say mend the armor that I'm is currently in my custody. <laughs> Clap him on the back and just say, take better care of it, seriously. Okay. And, and cast mending, or done <laughs> <laughs> for a word of discouragement. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the streak of rust, uh, the streak of corrosion caused by the antenna, uh, magically comes back to be nice and shiny. Awesome. Cool. I mean, don't I tell like... anyone that that happened. <laughs> I did not buy the extra coverage. So I feel like the doors are the move, right? Like I don't want to crawl in this hole. Yeah. Let's at least take a look at the doors first. Yeah. Okay. Just some, some flavor here. As we're walking that way, I, I, I tell uh, I, the board to get behind me because I want to protect it. Uh-huh. And it looks like there's, like as if there's any chance you'd be willing to stand in front of me. It doesn't want to be shot again. It's like, there's no way I'm standing in front of you. Of course I'm going to be behind you. <laughs> so wait a minute. What what kind of shape is the board in right now? Uh, it's got, uh, hold on a second, uh, six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... I have Cure Wounds as a spell I could cast, but I'm, I'm going to hold on to that in case the party needs it. But my plan is to then use it on the board the, you know, once we're kind of in a safe area. Cool. Um, yeah, so if you're kind of checking out the door here, um, these are very, very tall, like 15-foot tall, 20-foot wide double doors. The sort of hexagon motif you've seen throughout this place so far continues. You can kind of see through the gap in the door. There are metal mechanisms holding the two together, and there is a large uh, hexagonal hole in the center that has the appearance of a keyhole. Um, and if you push on the doors, they do not open. They seem to be locked. Even if Caleb pushes on the doors? Yes. I think it's reasonable you would try that first, and uh, he's not having any luck. Himlin, you want to have a look at that lock? Yeah, I'm going to take a look at this lock. Yeah, so um, it's actually, like, the scale of it is very large. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the things you would notice are that it's clearly a lock. <laughs> you would recognize the hallmarks of its lockdom. Uh, <laughs> um, if you wanted to know anything more, you could investigate. Pimlin is, is really good at assessing whether something is a lock. He can he can judge its lockness really well. In fact, you might even say he's a lockness monster. <laughs> <laughs> the best cryptid. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is probably not a lock that I've like picked before, given no. the shape, right? No, uh, no, it's very different. So basically, I think you, it's like <laughs> I'm thinking of that scene in Jurassic Park where the girl sits down. She's like, "This is a Unix system. I know this." Where it's like, <laughs> you know, you haven't used this, you haven't worked on this specific kind of lock before, but it's a familiar sort of arrangement of things. So actually, I think the way I'd like to play this is if you could roll investigation, and then if you beat a 20, I'll give you advantage on an attempt to pick it. I rolled a 14. What did I need to beat? A 20. Oh. Yeah. So So this this seems like this this would be a pretty tricky lock to pick, but you could certainly try if you wanted to. As well? Yeah, I might as well. What's there going to be an alarm or something? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That's a 13. Yeah, um, you're giving it your darndest, and uh, you just cannot seem to sort this thing out. I don't know, guys. This is a tricky lock. Oh, by the way, um, Magnus, I believe you activated but did not silence or deactivate the... I was about to ask about it, yeah. whippering wand, yeah. So so it, it has grown silent. Okay. While he's lockpicking, can I walk it over to that hole in the wall that I was percepting earlier mm-hmm. at the other end and see if it makes any noise over there? Yeah, um, it does not. Okay. And I believe the range on that is 300 feet. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's pretty huge. While everyone else is looking at the lock, I would like to go over to Hemo's bore and apply a bunch of herbs to the bore to restore any of its remaining points, or at least attempt to. Cool. The bore is going to stick around because of the rest of the party. Not not anything to do with me. (laughs) (laughs) I only rolled an eight, so it does not, I, I don't it was useless. Okay. In, yeah. in that event, I see that it doesn't do anything. Can I give it one of my magical pickles? <laughs> Shit, yeah, you can. <laughs> Buckle up, buckos. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you ate the purple one uh, I did. back in the Thieves Guild. Um, okay, so you have green, yellow, blue, red, orange, white, black, gray, and pink polka dot. I'm going to go with orange. And you're, you're, 
So you're feeding this to the boar. Orange reads, all hair on your body turns into dancing flames for one hour. So you just turned that boar into Guy Fieri. <laughs> a source of light, a source of light for Palfrey. Yes. <laughs> Great, all right. Okay. And you know what? I think it smells kind of good. <laughs> the boar on fire. It's, right. It both looks like Guy Fieri and also is something Guy Fieri would eat. So if we if we engage in combat in the next hour, does that mean the boar can deliver fire damage with its tusk attacks? Hell yeah, it can. <laughs> Alrighty. We gotta find something to fight. We gotta get through these doors. Wait, you're assuming it's going to hit. Stop who's wrong. So Caleb turns around. Yeah, we can't pick this lock. Uh, you just made this boar fiery. Uh, what's the plan, party? The, the doors are wood, aren't they? Well, they're mostly wood. They're, I don't know, 70-30 wood metal. We try to bring down the wood door. Certainly. We have a source yeah. of fire, right? Yeah. Or, like, if she's, like, rubbing against it, right? Yeah. Yeah, starting a fire in a cave, what could go wrong? Yeah, yeah so the boar walks by the uh, wooden doors and tries to set them in place. I suggest the party steps back before this happens. I think Magnus will go to the back and stand with his back to the doors, just kind of keeping an eye on the room behind. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm thinking of, like, when you throw a really big log on a campfire, like, it might start to catch a little bit, but these are, like, you know, eight-inch thick, like, oaken doors. So it's like this This boar would have to rub flames continuously on it for multiple hours to, to make any sort of divot in okay. this thing. I, I guess we just move on. Have we considered the blunt approach? Blunt what? floor force trauma? Uh, not telling the doors that we don't like them. <laughs> we could hit it with, I mean, we have a lot of really heavy steel. And in my experience, wood is not always as hard as steel. The exception of ironwood, which is nearly there. I mean, the stuff sinks for crying out loud, but... Should somebody just try to kick it? You're more than welcome to try. I'm gonna kick this door. Go for it. Is that a strength check? It is. Nat 20, nat 20. <laughs> no, sorry, I modified 16. Uh, no, sir. No. Um, there is one detail <laughs> I, I'm realizing I neglected to draw on this map. Uh, there was a uh, sort of mining style cart uh, over to one side. Oh, so that probably leads into the mines. Do we do we battering ram the cart into the door? That's an idea. We could put our our heaviest people in the cart to add mass. Or like the bodies of. I feel like they might get hurt. <laughs> we could put the bodies of the monsters. That's also mass, theoretically. Hmm. Well, don't all answer well, at once. <laughs> while the party's deliberating, I think Magnus is gonna hold his hand axe out towards you. I can always see what's on the other side of that small hole. Maybe there's a tunnel at least the other side of the door or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm pro-hole. I, I can talk to <laughs> the animals. I have a connection with my, my companion. Uh, it's it's small. <laughs> hey, fire. Just send it in the hole and see what it finds. <laughs> but Suka has to be the one to ask it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't cost <laughs> Are you talking about sending the boar through the hole? Yes, I can communicate with the boar. But he fit through the hole? I'm like three feet, so I don't... Oh, you're smaller. All right, yeah, let's send him in. <laughs> Maybe Andrew. Oh, quick. <laughs> I mean, I can go as well. My my dark vision is unparalleled. Also, I'm not squishy and and soft. Oh, that's a good point. Does Pimlin have dark vision? I don't think so. Oh. He doesn't. No. Okay. Well, I'll I'll see everyone in twenty, I suppose. And I'm gonna start marching towards the hole. Okay, so so there's sort of a rough pile of rocks and then a roughly circular uh, four-foot diameter tunnel that seems to lead sharply downward, uh, almost in, in such a way that you would have a hard time keeping your footing. Um, so what is your what's what's your approach here? Someone passed some of that magic rope down to me. There's a bit of an incline here. Preferably also somebody hold on to the end of it. I'll hold on to the end of it and maybe someone else too. Yeah, I'll hold on to it as well. Yeah. I have no strength, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to slowly kind of rappel down this rope. Cool. Um, yeah, so you rappel at kind of like a sharp angle for about 40 feet or so, and then it levels out a bit, and then it continues downward about another 40 feet, and, uh, and then it levels out again, and then you kind of get to the end of the rope. Um, you're on a roughly level 
space, uh, but this tunnel shows no signs of slowing. It just seems to continue uh, downward. All right, I'm gonna, instead of shouting in this tunnel, I'm gonna climb my way back up the rope and just kind of, to the party, I'm gonna be like, I mean, we can go this way, but it, it goes and it goes and it goes. It, it goes deep. Um, Did you feel more at ease since you started with us? It was incredibly calming. I enjoyed <laughs> it very thoroughly. Based on the sweat sluice incidents, I don't think any of you would enjoy it. However, it is an option. Worst case scenario, we see where the where the hole goes. This hole sounds very much like Gibetto. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure at all how to take that. Yeah, you're a great cave hole. <laughs> Should we try the monster bodies in the cart battering ram idea? Uh, I think the whole at the second, like our last effort. Yeah. Cool. So uh, tell me more about the bodies in the cart battering ram idea. <laughs> How exactly is this working? It's pretty self-explanatory. Look. Yeah, I was going to say, it's exactly <laughs> what I get. I get the gist. Get, get, I'm going to no. take the bodies and put them in the cart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like one or two of those corpses, however many will fit in the cart, use it to create weight and then just run at that thing like it's platform nine and three quarters. Now, could we make a slingshot between the two the pillars with the rope and then we can pull it back and then just slingshot it forward at the door? We can try. This is beautiful. <laughs> the board can run kind of fast and it is strong, so it could give a good push to the cards if we can't come up with anything else. Okay, so what I'm hearing is making a slingshot out of Robeson's best rope, uh, being anchored somehow. Is, is it being anchored by people holding it on two sides? Well, it could be anchored by the uh, the pythons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're strong enough, I mean... There you go. I do happen to have 20 pythons. That seems like plenty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then so the slingshottedness is coming from some somebody like pulling the rope taut, right? The, the boar can pull it really taut or we can work together. The boar is strong. These things are big. I don't know if you've seen them. I just Googled it. They're huge. Um, <laughs> Does he have tusks? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he has tusks. Yeah. He can yeah. just put the rope right on, his, on his tusks and he can yeah. just walk back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was going to do like a cumulative strength checks thing, but like I think you guys have just defeated this with logic. So, uh, okay, so so using carefully placed pythons and stringing up Ropeson's best rope to the boar and chucking a couple of rust monsters' corpses into the cart, uh, and you all heave ho, and it careens across the room and slams into the door, and the doors uh, shutter and swing open before you, and you can pass out of the room. Nicely done. Totally not expect that to work. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured that was like that was like practice plan before we'd have to get serious. So I'm pleased. <laughs> no, that's that's good. I thought yeah. it would just be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a point where the board can just become a member of the party and Timo is the companion? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> there are many ways in which that could happen. <laughs> that's upsetting to think about. <laughs> a human animal companion. Well, an elf animal companion. Are you proceeding through the doors? I have a curious question. Why didn't the rust monsters care about the cart? Uh, it is a wooden cart made entirely of wood. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to percept before going into the next room. Great. Uh, that would be a 13. Cool. Yeah, so you can see with your dark vision into the room. It appears to be a smaller chamber, but still pretty large, maybe uh, 50 yards deep. Um, and you see some sort of, I'm trying to think of how, what your impression would be. You see almost like little houses uh, suspended, like midair at the far side of the room. That's cool as hell. I'm going to go in there. Uh, cool. So as you move in, it is indeed about 50 yards deep and 50 yards across, roughly square. At the far end of the room, you can see that this is sort of an, uh, there isn't really a, a uh, non-modern word for elevator, but an elevator room. And uh, there are several, kind of picture almost like a gazebo or something, like a mechanical looking gazebo, but like cross that with like a Chinese takeout box, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Anyway, these like 
sort of elevator units hanging, mm-hmm. like, and just to mix a third thing in there. Like, have you ever seen in dry cleaners, they have those, like, wild uh, conveyor systems that lift clothes up? So, like, if instead of an elevator being in a single shaft, it was, like, discrete elevator units on, like, a conveyor thing. Um, it's like a, like a gondola in an amusement park, but it can go multiple directions. Yes. Like a ski lift. Yeah, like a ski lift. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, thank you, Kyle. <laughs> 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 Chinese takeout gazebo gondola ski lift. But I think maybe, well, those are not the uh, touch points you would have as characters in this fantasy world, but I think you'd be putting together disparate ideas in a similar way, right? But uh, anyway, so there's like a, like a bunch of those, and then the track that they're on seems to lead over a large circular pit in the corner of the room where one such gondola is positioned as if it's ready to go up or down. There's, there's a um, circle in the floor and a, an open uh, circle hole <laughs> in the ceiling um, above it. It looks like as if it could go either way. Um, and there's a mechanism that seems to be ready to receive a weight. And there's like a sort of counterweight system and a pile of large round stones that seem to have been hewn for the purpose. Um, and those are kind of on a rack, kind of like ski ball balls, like they're kind of ready to go. Next to all of this are two uh, strange, vaguely humanoid shaped, but quite small creatures or machines that seem to have been destroyed. They're not moving. They seem to be have been bashed apart um, and they're lying on the floor. And if somebody would like to try a history check, uh, one of you might know what these are. I'll give it a try. I will not. Ironically, my history is very bad. Natural 20. Shit, right. All right. This makes sense, though. You're the Underdark man. We're not in the Underdark. We're just in a mountain. We're underground. I don't know the difference. That (laughs) is an incredibly uneducated opinion. Hello, my name is Magnus. Okay, these are Modrons. Which, okay, so in the book, these, like, inhabit the plane of mechanists, blah, 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 blah. They're, they're just fucking cool automatons is what they are, okay? Um, no. And so in this world, we'll say that they, you would know that they were uh, manufactured en masse by the dwarves. And we'll say that maybe uh, your people had done some trade with the dwarves and bought some from them. So you're familiar with these. This is incredibly interesting. I've only ever seen, like, one, maybe two of these in my lifetime, which is, I mean, admittedly, I'm not the oldest, but like, these are Modrons, and I'm, this is a, this is a big deal. Are they supposed to look like that? Caleb, do you have any, have you had three of these? Well, you know, I mean, again, I'm working only with childhood sort of fuzzy memories, but I do remember little things moving around and doing menial work for my parents. I think we, we might've had some little servant like this in our household, maybe. Fascinating. I'm adding these to the map. I'm going to start drawing a bunch of, like, little bitty figures in this room on the map. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so those are there. And then the final detail of that room is to your left. There are, you thought you had seen the largest doors you had ever seen, the ones that you just busted through, but you see even bigger doors. But these have the the sort of concentric hexagon motif with a golden hexagon in the center, similar to at, at the entrance of the mountain. Do we see what's through those doors before we commit to these things? Caleb, where are we going? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I believe the abandoned Church of the Immaculate Hammer, the temple here, was in the center of of the main city. And uh, it would stand to reason that such grand doors like this probably conceal the way to the city. Doors it is. Let's work some magic on those doors. (laughs) We need a bigger card. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so Caleb obliges and goes and puts his hand on the door. This time, uh, the door actually sort of uh, illuminates around his hand, and the concentric hexagon sort of light outward. There's a large sounding clicking sound, and the doors uh, actually sort of retract into the walls on either side. And before you is a very wide, very, very long uh, staircase that goes downward in a tunnel, and you can't see exactly where it leads to. It's very, very long, but you can actually see a little bit of what looks like daylight at the bottom of the staircase, about 200 yards ahead of you and down. I much prefer this to a takeout box or a tunnel that I have to crawl through. 
I mean, the tunnel was fine. The tunnel was great, but this does seem more promising. It seems almost as though this is where we're meant to be. Any objections to continuing downward? Don't forget the door is on fire. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we set the door first so that it can light our path. Or yeah. not our path. I don't require the light, but those among us who might find it useful. Such a snub. Dark vision snub. Yeah, I, I think we set the door first, and then I want to, like, run down the stairs behind. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. She can go first. That's probably the best idea. For obvious reasons, the boar refuses to go in front of me. I have dark vision as well, so I'll, I'll go first. The boar just behind me, so uh, we'll lead the way down the stairs. Okay, okay. so Kimo and Suka lead the way with the boar close behind and the rest of the party behind that. Um, so this is, I don't know if you guys have ever, like, visited a monument or city or something where just, like, an unconscionable number of stairs and, like, like you get like two thirds of the way down, you like your mind starts to wander. You know, like I've been going downstairs for a very long time. Like this is that, right? Like so probably like a thousand steps to get down to the bottom of this thing. But uh, as you get to the bottom, uh, you become more and more certain that you're seeing daylight. And in fact, as you get to the bottom of the stairs, you uh, are standing in sunlight, uh, and you see a lot of stuff. So the source of the sunlight is a seemingly small sort of arch-shaped opening very, very high above you, like half a mile above you. This is a huge, huge chamber you've entered into. Seemingly a hole in the mountain uh, through which a shaft of light is pouring down and shining on you. At the base of the stairs, there's a narrow space in front of you and then a sheer drop into a pit which you cannot see the bottom of. This pit is massive and approximately 300-ish yards across the pit, there is a huge, like, black volcanic rock-looking mass that rises up and piles up toward the corner of the room where the light is coming from. And it's almost like the light is coming from the apex of this, this mound. And you can see, sort of snaking down the face of this mound towards the center of the chamber is... It doesn't seem to be hot or moving now, but it looks like a more recent sort of lava flow. Um, and where that comes to the sort of level um, that you're standing on, it meets with a dwarven-made bridge, which seems to have funneled this lava flow across the chasm and into a collection of small structures, which you can't really make out because it's quite far away. Looking to your left, you see the dwarven city of Agla which I'm going to drop a couple of images into the chat. It's kind of hard to describe what I'm thinking of. But, like, combine basically a, like, crystal formation with, like, the motif of squares or cubes or boxes and, like, a Mediterranean city. So just, like, these dwellings stacked on top of dwellings, but it has the look of, like, a naturally formed crystal. Um, And this is hundreds and hundreds of yards high. And it almost looks as if this city has just, like, grown naturally out of the edge of this chamber. And um, all these dwellings sort of form, like, a a vaguely arc-like shape. And on the level that you're on, there is a semicircular amphitheater carved into the base of the rock that seems to center upon this place where this lava flow may have come across a bridge at a point. Anyway, so so that's, that's what you take in. And if you were to turn left at the base of the stairs, there is a level space that leads over toward the city. Okay. I guess first I'll turn to Caleb and say, like, this trigger any memories? Uh, Caleb is openly weeping. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he, he is, he is, uh, his heart is knocked open by this view and he's just taking it all in with, with, tears streaming down his dwarven face and uh, uh, it's lighter where his tears have streaked because he's covered in soot because he's a forge guy. (laughs) I suppose we should let him have his moment. Yes, it's going to take me a while to draw all of this as well, so (laughs) it will take a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Magnus, as you're taking all this in, uh, you do begin to actually hear a little bit of a whimper from uh, the the wand you're carrying. I'm going to like go maybe 10 feet to my left and then 10 feet to my right to see if it gets any louder either way. Um, the closer you get to the city, the it seems to get slightly louder. Okay. I'm going to um, relay that to the group and say, it may look beautiful and abandoned, but I don't think it is. I wonder if 
this is where the bugbears are. Weren't we warned about the possibility of bugbears? We were. We were. I, I learned about bugbears. If you'd like, I can recite the details. <laughs> I insist that you do so from memory. <laughs> so which part of them is bug and which part is bear because that greatly determines how frightened i am of this creature. you should be fine it doesn't really matter what the ratio is <laughs> does it say that in your book <laughs> it does. chapter two subsection a i mean the temple is in the city yes presumably so it sounds like our course of action is decided so are we gearing for war against an entire population yes <laughs> we should probably take a nap then can we i'm sure we could find a nice little sequestered corner to yeah resting and then maybe take a couple of guard shifts and then in the morning when we're all feeling fresh and ready with full stomachs we can lay siege to an entire subterranean fortress and before we take a rest i would like to cast cure wounds on the boar. Doing so will take him uh, up to full health. Will that get rid of his fire? I mean, we're going to pass an hour, so yeah, his fire will okay. be gone. What a waste of a pickle. But hey, what, what, <laughs> but what a way to uh, to make an entrance, right? Flaming <laughs> boar, I mean, that was pretty badass. Is there a source of water nearby? Uh, there is not. Okay. Sorry, guys. I was going to cook for you, but I can't. I could also cast uh, Primeval Awareness. Uh, that'll tell me if there are any Liberations, Celestials, Elementals, Fey, Fiends, or Undead. I don't think there are, but if we're going to rest, I might as well give it a shot, see what we find. Yeah, so where are you resting? Probably a little bit up the stairs. Uh, either up the stairs or like towards the lava flow, maybe, to be like in a place where people don't go. I don't yeah. think we're able to go any closer to the lava. Yeah, sorry, I should have shaded it, but like this section is all chasm. Yeah. Ah, yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But these these are fairly deep stairs, so you could like you know roll out a bed roll on one of the stairs, so you could definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, Hemo. Um, yeah. So I believe the last time you did this was right at the entrance to this uh, the city, the cave. You still feel the presence of elementals. You now also feel the presence of celestial. Oh, so I was I was looking over my my meal skills, and I don't need a water source, but I do need a heat source. Can I cook a meal over the boar? Yeah, dude. Yeah, what a what a reversal of fates for for a boar. Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> We're all resting, right? We're like setting up camp. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to uh, try and cook us a decent meal. Cool. So I believe I have to set a DC for you. I think this is hard because you're cooking over an, a, a heat source that you are not used to using. Uh, so you got to beat a 20. 22. Nice. Cool. So everyone that eats the meal has advantage on constitution rolls. For the next day. That's cool. Uh, and also, just so you guys know, I, I speak celestial. That's helpful. Damn. Yeah. Well, I'll take first watch. <laughs> All right, we are at just about at 10, so I guess we'll, we'll cut here and uh, pick up with your watches. Awesome. I'm it's already going to be excited just the whole week, waiting for those watches to come around. Watches. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody sleep. Nobody regain any spell slots. <laughs> no. All, right. All right. Everybody good for next week? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. All Until right. then. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. See you.